Coming live from Somerville, South Carolina, United States, is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Chris Odgard, author, alternative investment blogger, and educator. And he will share his special tips on how quickly you can build wealth with alternatives. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, Jay. Glad to be here with your international audience live. I've been, I've been worried about matching your enthusiasm the whole week we were leading up to this. So I'm going to do my best. No, no, you are perfectly all right. And in fact... With your enthusiasm, it's it's I'm I'm getting infected and making it. You know, it's it's like it takes two to tango. So let's go. tango very very well tonight. And obviously, a very good morning to you. It's your good morning. So even if it will be a tough task to wake up and just get into tango, we will certainly do it. And Absolutely. and you are certainly up to it. So sir, how uh, the topic is how quickly you can build wealth with alternatives? Can you tell us what is this? alternative all about you know about your uh, and along with your background and journey certainly because it can go along along yeah. with what you have learned all the way yeah well first of all I, I'm, I'm here in the u.s but uh, here in the u.s and probably most places around the world most people are investing in the stock market you know in their country and and anything that's publicly traded in the stock market is a conventional investment so that would be stocks bonds mutual funds etfs Everything, pretty much everything that's not publicly traded is an alternative investment. And that would include, you know, every subcategory of real estate, cryptocurrency, uh, private lending notes, private equity, uh, and believe it or not, cash value life insurance and precious metals. And so uh, most people invest in conventional investments, but the, the truth is the alternatives are, are just vastly superior. And if you want to get you know, to that place, financial freedom, retirement, whatever you're looking for, what I say where you can make work a choice instead of a necessity, alternatives are really where you want to be. Okay. So you mean uh, alternative investments are anything what stock market is not about? Yes, that's a, that's a broad, yeah, that's broadly, that's correct. Yep. And in, in uh, from a layman's perspective, how do they understand alternative investment when you say you can build wealth wealth with alternatives so what does alternative include then so uh, uh I'll, I'll take uh give you some historical uh insight here so the s p 500 is pretty much the broad benchmark index for the united states stock market and over the history of the s p 500's existence the average annual return to investors has been just shy of 10 percent before taxes and inflation, and in today's inflationary environment, you're not really making much money. You may not even may be maintaining the buying power. And right. but, but the studies have been done about well, what is the? I understand that the index makes you know nine something percent, but what does the average investor in the stock market actually make? Because of the way they go in and out of the market, and then maybe how they emotionally trade or whatever, and the average investor only makes about five percent. So even in ordinary times with a 5% return, you're, you're, you're not even maintaining your buying power. That's before taxes and inflation. 
And and when I my investments are primarily real estate and apartment buildings, and uh, uh, people that do the type of investing like me and alternatives routinely make an excess of 20% annual returns on a regular basis. And then we have some other advantage. We can use leverage. Banks will loan us money to buy uh, these investments. If you go to your banker and say, hey, I'd like to borrow some money to buy my stock, bond, and mutual fund portfolio, they'll they'll laugh you out of the office. And, and okay. real estate, come in, at least in this country, in most countries, comes with a built-in tax advantage that's called appreciation. So you can, it's just, you can get there so much faster. And, you know, think about this. When I have an alternative investment like a self-storage facility or an apartment building, I can insure it against loss. If you're sitting over here with your, your stock market portfolio, it's uninsurable. The insurance brokers won't insure that conventional investment. And so those are just a couple of a couple of things. The returns are higher. You can use leverage. You can insure it. Um, it's much less volatile. It has built-in tax advantages. Um, it's they're ju it's just it's just vastly superior. Okay, just a quick question then, uh, Chris. That how do you insure yourself for a thing like uh, talking of real estate? Something a thing like two thousand eight. You know, something like when the housing market went for. Uh, when when uh, nose dived actually and led to so much of losses, subprime crisis and all that stuff. Right. Well, I I owned real estate uh, uh, all all through the the great financial crisis two thousand eight, and you know the price uh, the one of the main things is that you invest for cash flow, so that means that your property is always producing more income than the expenses. And I had a I had a property that dropped fifty percent lost half its value. But as long as I didn't need to sell it at that time, it didn't make any difference because the property was still paying for itself. I still had tenants and believe it or not, rents were increasing through that period. So if you have the right amount of fixed, <laughs> fixed rate debt and you, you don't have to sell the building, then you just ride it out. But is it, is it always possible that you purchase a real estate or property and it starts paying for itself. Does it work everywhere or all the time? It, oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't work everywhere. So, I, you know, uh, that, that's, that's what we call a cash flowing market versus a non-cash flowing market. Okay. And so, you know, I spent prior to moving to South Carolina, I spent the last 35 plus years in Seattle, Washington. And pretty much every place on the West Coast is not a cash flowing market because the prices are increasing like this and the rents are only increasing like this. So you need to pick, you need to be smart about it. And, and you know, one of the best things you should do is pick a market that cash flows. Uh, how do you, how do you uh, <laughs> become smart in a market without trying to time the market? So, well, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a research project. I mean, uh, you need, you, you need to either if, if you're going to invest in a market that you don't live in, like if you live in Seattle and you want to invest in Tennessee, then you have to build a team on the ground. You, you have a realtor and mortgage broker and property manager and all those people on the ground. But you really have to look at, you know, kind of demographics. Where are people moving? Where are the jobs? Where are the businesses moving to? You know, uh, you know, businesses are leaving the coasts and going to places like Arizona, you know, and Dallas and Georgia and places in the south. So you want to be in those places where the jobs and the people are going because what that's driving 
you know, demand for rent. Right, right, sir. I, I'm, you are a repository of a lot of wisdom, financial wisdom. And I would like to bring out through your, through your background, your journey, Chris. And okay. please, if you can share about that. And within that, I'm sure there will be a lot of nuggets of wisdom, nuggets of financial wisdom, so that a lot of audience can benefit out of that. Sure. Uh, you know, I, uh, I started off as a conventional investor for a long time. You know, I grew up in a family of conventional investors. They were all employees. They worked for the man, you know, get the, get the education, get a job with benefits and work until you're way beyond when you should be working in terms of age. So that, that's what I did. And it, it's a, you know, it's kind of a mediocre path. Uh, it works for people who have a really high income because if your expenses are this much and your income is this much, you have all that extra income to plow into investments. And if you have enough, even investing in the stock market will work for you. But for the rest of us, you know, who only have a little bit left over after we pay our bills, you know, if we're ever going to get there, we have to uh, do it differently. So anyway, I was on that conventional path until about my mid 40s. And then my mid 40s, I had a, a huge financial illiquidity event where I lost 55% of all of my assets and thousands of dollars a month in cash flow, you know, overnight. And so that was in my mid 40s. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the mediocre path that I was on was, you know, looking even more perilous. So uh, that's when somebody coincidentally recommended to me a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that's what kind of changed my thinking about money and personal finance and investing. And I started moving into the alternative world uh, very quickly. And, um, and, and nine years later, after, after losing 55% and switching over to alternatives, I had made up that 55% multiplied it many times over. I quit my job and I never have to work again if I don't want to. And I would have never been able to do that if I had stayed in, you know, 401ks here in the US, you know, okay. or in, in mutual funds. You just wouldn't get there with those with those really poor returns. But uh, so, uh, the, the thing that happened, you know, in, uh, in your mid 40s, uh, the life event that happened uh, and that led to you uh, for your lot of rethinking, but you read a book, you understood a lot of book, uh, the rich dad, poor dad, if I'm correct. Yep. And, and in that book, you found out the path for future success. But for a lot of people who are not as wise as you, uh, is it that a book is enough? Can you share with us what exactly you learned, not only just by reading into the book, but understanding out of it, implementing from whatever there was left of, uh, for you and taking your life to success. Because for me, that is what actually matters. And that is what can be repeated. That can be implemented. That is what the, what's the type of tip my audience would be looking for. Right. Well, it, w it wasn't just the book. The book was okay. the start. And the book was the start of, of getting more financial education taking classes on all different types of real estate, um, you know, both where I was and traveling in around the country and doing that. And then I, uh, somebody said I should listen to a particular type of podcast. And I said, well, what's a podcast? And so <laughs> then, you know, so, so in addition to the classes in person, I started filling my mind 
with all these ideas. And then I started going to conferences to be around those people. You know, I think Jim Rohn said that your income is the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I had to change the people that I was hanging out with and change what was going into my mind so I could make this this transition. And uh, okay. and then it was just then it was just small steps. You know, my daughter was in uh, she had completed her first year of college and she said, hey, dad, I want to I want to move out of the dormitory and live off campus. And so together she and I bought a, a, a two uh, a, what we call a duplex or a two unit apartment building. And she lived yes. in one side and rented one of the rooms and we rented the other side. And then uh, that just led to the next property and and, you know, all different types of things. But it was a it was a it was the books and the classes and the networking. And then it was the trial, the trial and error. Try this. Try that. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. And and, and then at some point in time, you narrow down to what really works for you. I mean, there's all kinds of alternative investments and we all have different different skill sets. So you got to find the thing that works for you, which to me today has become uh, apartment syndications. Okay, so two learnings, basically, in case uh, that never shy away from learning at any stage in life. Oh, yeah. And you learn a lot by trial and error. Yep. There is no uh, sure short method. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, you... yeah. If, if all I had done was read the book, I mean, you know, there's this uh, there's this saying that's false. Here's the saying. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is nothing when it's not connected with action. You can have all the book knowledge in the world until you connect that with some action, you haven't done anything. So, uh, yeah, you have to get the education, but then you have to take some steps and do something with it. Right. Why I asked you was that, sir, today's life, you know, a lot of things are changing so fast that by the time you touch your 40s, the society or the technology starts telling you that if you don't upgrade yourself, you are obsolete. Yep. And that is actually, as they say, that life actually begins at 40. It, it, it actually starts beginning. It starts for you to do, uh, learn your, as if you are going to kindergarten. Because mm -hmm. you've got to learn, start relearn, unlearn, relearn. Uh, or just learning is, uh, uh, is there. Whether there is any different sort of event in your life or not, that is where the learning part comes in. If I, for example, even for me, if I, if I don't read about, read about so much of digital changes that are happening or even in the podcast world, even in the technology part or the software that I'm using, I would not be able to talk to you or even for that matter, if you don't know how to, you know, adjust the camera angle or anything or the laptop or the microphone, you know, headphone, then you would not be able to tell us about yourself to the world or tell about your business to the world. Now everybody knows about Chris Odgard, <laughs> the prolific investor. Without learning, it would not exist. Right. Yeah, you know, there's a, I, I read a lot of books on, uh, you know, technology and the changes. And one of the books, the, the author said that technology is doubling every 18 months. And so I, I, I really get, uh, I won't, I, it's not old people, it's old mentality. You know, the person that says, oh, I, don't, I don't need to learn that. I'm not going to learn that. I don't have to use the internet or, a, or an ATM machine or whatever. Well, if you're not, things are changing so fast. If you're not continually learning and keeping up, one day that the things you're holding on to won't even exist anymore and you won't be able to right. function. 
because right. all the stuff that you said, I'm just going to keep doing it the old way, the old way will be gone. So yeah, you right. have, I mean, even, even not even talking about investing, but if you're not continually learning, you're, you're falling behind really quickly. And so Absolutely. you have to, you really have to have a, a, a love of continual learning, I think, to be successful at, you know, in life in general, much, much less all this other stuff. Right, right. That's that's the point I actually wanted to discuss through, you know, going into your life journey, uh, mm -hmm. Chris. And that that's a lot of important things have come out. Now, getting back to, you know, hardcore uh, alternative investment thing. Uh, you started uh, seeing everybody talking about conventional investment, you know, and, and then you moved on to uh, alternatives. Why did that, that happen? Didn't you find comfort in actually knowing or doing things that you saw succeeded so well earlier on yeah um i think this is a, a personality trait of mine is that um it's what i call childlike curiosity you know when kids are young you know they just everything is new and brand new and it's exciting and as we get older we kind of lose that and we get comfortable and then we don't like change anymore right that's another one not only the learning but you have to embrace change. So, and I and I have a couple of examples. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm the guy that votes for the underdog and roots for. So new things are just I find them exciting, and I just move in that direction. And uh, a lot of uh, conventional investors and the, who have their money tied up in one of these, you know, uh, employer-sponsored plans, like in the U.S., you know, it would be the 401k. And so, and those plans are pretty much you know, maintain with the employer, and you can only use them to invest in conventional investments. And so uh, through the networking that I was doing back then, a friend of mine, you know, I had this promise that I, I got this money here, but I can't, I can't use it. I can't move it out until I'm, you know, 59 and a half or until I leave the company. And he said, you need to ask your company if you can do an in-service transfer. And I said, what's an in-service transfer? And he says, well, that's where the company will let you take some of your money and move it outside to an outside plan. And then you can invest it in alternatives, real estate, whatever you want. And I kind of just blew it off a little bit because at this time, I had been working at this particular company for decades and I had never heard this before. And this is one of those other things. Sounds too good to be true. So it must be too good to be true. Well, I said, well, what if it is true? And so right. I, sure enough, I checked and found out that, yes, the company would let me take all their matching contributions and move them out. And that was a six-figure number, and that helped me jumpstart my way into alternative investments. But most people would say, I've never heard of that. Sounds too good to be true. Must be illegal, immoral, or unethical, right? So uh, you have to do the continual learning, and you have to embrace the change. So are, are you afraid of the stock market? See, in the last 15 years or so, uh, the stock market has jumped, rocketed everywhere. Even, even in India, we've got more than 50,000, you know, on the on the Sensex and, 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 and on the NSE. Uh, it, it's jumped so much. So haven't you, don't you ever think that you have lost out on this, uh, these returns rather than, or actually, are you, are you afraid of the stock market? What? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll. Uh, answer that question by telling you where my money is. 1% of my money is in the stock market. 99% okay. of it is an alternative. So yeah, I don't, in, in, in the, in the U S 
the majority of stock market trading is done by computers, something called high frequency trading. So it's a manipulated market. Uh, you know, and in, as long as the government is printing money and doing stimulates, stimulus and, you know, messing around with the interest rates and it's going in your direction, that's great. What happens when they change and all of a sudden it goes it goes against you? So I and I don't like the volatility of the stock market. My real estate investments and other alternatives are just rock solid. Uh, you know, they can't be traded with the push of a button. So their prices don't go up and down. You know, every every five minutes. So yeah, I, I I am not a fan of the stock market. I'm also, like I said, almost completely out of it. And and you're right. We have been in a in a period, you know, where all asset prices are going up. But that's not that's not the histor that's not historically, you know, true for the stock market. And 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 even for real estate, you know, you know, everything that goes up seems to come down eventually. So um, I feel like I'm going to have a softer landing. Uh, being in alternatives than, than I am gonna, in the stock market. The, who, who actually is this alternative investment for? Is it uh, is it that they leave out the stock market fully, or is well, it, what what is mutual fund? Is it a uh, is it a what you call conventional investment? It's or a is conventional it a, conventional investment. It, it, yes, it goes into. So yeah. who should who should actually go for a uh, alternative investments and leave out the stock market completely, or maybe just like you, one percent of their investment. <laughs> Probably not most people, right? <laughs> I mean, at the very minimum, um, you know, if you go, uh, uh, let me do another thing. There's a, there's kind of uh, beyond the division between conventional investments and alternatives. There's like four asset classes. So you have real assets, things that you can touch, things like real estate. You have commodities, you know, oil and gas and soybeans and pork. And then you have uh, uh, private private equity, private shares okay. of small businesses. And then the other one is paper. Okay. Paper, anything that's, rep, you know, kind of represented by paper, that's the stock market. So you got those four asset classes. And when you go to a financial advisor and they say they're going to build you a diversified portfolio, they're building you a diversified portfolio, but only in one asset class, paper. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, if you want to be diversified, really diversified, you should have, so, you know, paper, you should have, so, and you should have some alternatives. And alternatives actually go across all those other categories, uh, you know, real assets, commodities, and private equity. So when, when you only have paper assets, the stock market, you're just in this small segment of the overall marketplace uh, which you can invest. So, but okay. I mean, to answer your question, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that everybody go out and, and only have 1% of their money in the stock market. You know, it's probably a better idea to do that gradually. And I certainly did it gradually. I didn't do it overnight. Uh, but over the course of, you know, nine or 10 years, I pretty much got out of the stock market. Okay. But a lot of companies, even on alternative investments, they are also, uh, in some way connected with the stock market many of these real estate companies or other companies uh, they do are uh, they are listed on the stock markets now how do you hedge or you can how do you uh, de-risk yourself in that in that regard 
Well, when you what say explain a little bit more when you say they're connected to the stock market. Like or... like for example, in India, a lot of companies in the real estate sector, those people who are into, into housing sector especially, they are also listed on the stock market. So okay. suppose if you buy something or, or an apartment or something bigger from a real estate company and it and it doesn't bombs off on the stock market. It actually impacts you in in one way or the other. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we as 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 an alternative investment or real estate investor, I can't, I don't have to be in the stock market, but I have to pay attention what's going on in the overall economy because yes, you know, I'm affected in my investments to some extent by everything else that goes on, but. you know, I'll give you the example. This might be something like there's something in the in the U.S. called a REIT, a real estate investment trust. And a real yes. estate investment trust is a publicly listed company, which means it's a conventional investment. And their business is buying and operating real estate. Right. Uh, but that is still a conventional investment. And you still get the re- those kind of average returns. When I own real estate, it's owned privately. Usually, I don't do it by myself. I do it with other under individuals, and we get together and we purchase it and we own it privately. It's not publicly traded. It's owned by this group of people. So that's what's different between this alternative and say a a a a publicly traded company that invests in real estate. Yeah, you could invest in that, but you're not going to get the benefits of real estate. They don't pass along the depreciation to the, the shareholders of that publicly traded company. Yeah, we, in India also, we have got the real in, uh, real estate investment trust uh, okay. sort of a thing. Exactly how it is doing, I'm not, I'm not tracking that, but yeah. we do have since last several, several years, I get almost, almost say a decade or so. Uh, but uh, tell me, Chris, what apart from the real estate, uh, can you specify a couple of other areas for alternative investment just to... You know, uh, yeah, some, some, some other things that I have invested in uh, is self-storage facilities. So we have these self-storage facilities where you, you and I have some now. I moved to South Carolina, a downsize, okay. and I got more stuff that will fit in the house. So I got a place where I store some of my stuff. Okay. Another alternative investment, believe it or not, is ATM machines. So okay. the ATM sorry, machines. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Self-storage is like what? Uh, you, you rent out that space for others? No, you rent it out. Well, yeah, you would buy you would buy a, a, a building and it would have 150 lockers in it of various sizes, some of them okay. big enough to put a car in, some of them, you know, more like room size or closet size. Okay. And then people pay okay. you a certain amount of money every month because they they don't have a room in their house to, you know, put all their stuff. So that's a okay. self-storage facility. Okay. So that's an alternative investment in real estate. Okay. Another thing is ATM machines. So you know, you can. Uh, I own an, in, in ATM machines all over the country with other people, and okay. uh, we get paid based on the number of transactions that happen in those ATM machines. Oh, is it is it linked to the transactions, not about the renting? Yeah, no, we actually own the machine. So in the ATM space, okay. you have you have like three different players: the the, okay. the the person that owns the machine, the person that owns the land where the machine sits. And then the people that, you know, maintain and insure and fill that thing okay. up with money. So I'm on the side of the ownership. I own I own those machines. And then you negotiate a lease with the guy at the convenience store because you're going to set it uh, on a four square 
you know, foot spot. And then you got to hire the people to come in and, uh, you know, unless you want to do it yourself, but that sounds like too much work for me. So, yeah, I, I that th those are great ideas. In fact, India now there is a lot of talk about data processing, data storage uh, facilities, and a, com a lot of companies are also putting money, bigger companies, but even for smaller players or individual players who have got some spare space or land, they can build up into because right. in India we are talking about data localization that mm -hmm. they the government wants companies to focus on keeping Indian data of Indian people in India itself. Right, so, right. Uh, Chris, coming to uh, alternative investments now, for a layman, what is the best way for someone, a layman like me, to know more about alternative investments and just get started? Because you are an expert. You have talked great <laughs> stuff. But in half an hour, nobody will learn fully and, and start investing. So how do they start you know, from the scratch. Okay, is this where I do this shameless self-promotion? <laughs> no, 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 it is not shameless. This is called talking about yourself, telling people yeah, yeah, where yeah. to... Yes, so yes. This please. is a place you could start. I, I wrote this book uh, last year. It was released in October. It's called Get Off Your A Dollar yes. Sign Dollar Sign yes. and Manage Your Money, <laughs> Why You Need Alternative Investments. And I wrote this book because, you know, my journey was, you know, the trial and error journey, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And I thought... I could probably draw a little bit of a straighter line for people. So this is one uh, of many uh, books that you could that you could look at. And if you go to my website at theprolificinvestor.net, I have a resources page where I list okay. podcasts that I like to listen to, books that I think that would help be helpful for the beginner, and places uh, where the beginner could start. Matter of fact, I just published yesterday uh, my blog article number forty-six three okay. ways to get started in real estate. And I compare three different ways that are commonly available in the United States. And I compare those across 10 different categories in terms of what requires the most knowledge, the most of your time, what are the returns, which ones are more riskier than others. So the website at the prolificinvestor.net has got a lot of uh, things that can, can help people. Right, right. In fact, I'll try and put all, uh, a bit of this information on the youtube description so that you know on that link and your links yeah. people can directly uh, go to your website from there can also know more about what you are doing free resources i'm sure yes that, that's there for, for people and, to read yeah and people can uh, schedule a 30 minute free video con conference with me if they want uh i do that on thursdays so uh, there's a link to my calendar anybody wants to have a conversation with me about this kind of stuff we can do that Love to chat with That's people. great. That's great. 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there. there so 60 go. minutes, 60 minutes with Chris <laughs> is good enough to get 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 starting. Yeah. You know, Chris. Great. Absolutely. Great. Great. This is wonderful. This is a lot of information, a lot of learning. And as as we talked earlier, it's never too late to start. That's yep. learning yep. for sure. It keeps you young and it's uh, it prevents the early onset of Alzheimer's, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. So with uh, with all this learning and all this knowledge, you know, I feel I feel great uh, and much more, you know, learned before I go to sleep tonight. There you go. And with this, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining joining on this show. Thanks, AJ. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.